All right, everyone, welcome to episode 146 of the 580 Show. I'm joined today by Taylor Gone. Thanks for joining, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we, I was just telling you real quick off camera, but, you know, uh, a highly recommended coach of someone to have on, and uh, I, I'm really excited to get to talk to you a little bit because I, yeah, well, I think there's a lot to learn here. So um, I, I get – so one question I wanted to lead off with is – the importance of a coach having a coach, because I think sometimes it's, it's a really debated thing where people think, Oh, you're a coach. So why do you need a coach? And, um, and I see you in your post. Sometimes you're coached by Zach and Mm -hmm. McCarley. I think I'm uh, uh, pronouncing that correctly. And uh, you're very, it seems like in your post, you talk highly about them and uh, and get a lot from having a coach. So I was just kind of wanting to get your thoughts on coaches having coaches and, and what you kind of think about that and the importance of it. Yeah, so first off, I think um, what we see in the industry as far as like uh, that not being a normal thing and maybe it kind of being a common thing for coaches to not really want to share their information or – have other coaches or other people see their programs other than their clients or just like just like different gatekeeping kind of ego driven stuff like that um that's that's not normal in other sports like fully developed sports that have money and you know a a dense population of athletes uh and much more competitive these these sports it's, it's not normal to hide information it's actually very normal for coaches to be collaborating in the off season and getting together and exchanging information um, in, in the same sort of urgency and competitiveness that the athlete is going to have on, on the field. You know, it, it's part of our job to um, progress the sport in any way that we can. And so I do believe the information exchange between coaches is really important for the, the competitive benefit, both short-term and long-term. But to speak on it for myself, um, you know, because a lot of coaches don't necessarily compete, so they don't necessarily need to have a coach. Uh, with me trying to balance both, it got to a point where anytime I would do a prep, I actually started trying to find ways to prepare for shows with shorter shorter amount of times because it would contradict my ability to coach and my capacity to coach, and it would kind of take away from that, and uh, it was getting really frustrating. So hiring Zach has been super helpful because not only am I able to uh, continue learning myself as a student, I've also got my plate completely cleared to give everything that I have to my athletes. So um, it's freed up a lot of my time. A lot of my stress has gone away. And um, I almost think back now thinking that it might be a little ignorant or arrogant even to uh, uh, think you can – push a high level for both you know what i mean yeah yeah like what are what are some things i guess when you when you coach yourself like what are some issues you find like do you think you overanalyze yourself like because you obviously know yourself more than anyone and you're i i don't know like what issues do you see you run into if you do coach yourself yeah so 
the um, the overanalyzing was kind of like a prior problem that I had, but uh, the most recent thing that I've been dealing with is the um, the self doubt and the like needing to not only needing to perform to a certain level, but needing to program to a certain level. And um, when you start adding in the emotions and the expectations of the athlete. I'm kind of sitting there questioning, you know, if I had a bad session, if I missed a number, I'm going home super anxious, super frustrated, trying to rebuild the entire plan. Where now it's like, well, that's that problem if I miss a number and I don't really care. It's just, a, it's just another training session. Yeah. I've been doing this forever, so it's no big deal. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, no, that makes sense. I think, um, I think almost too, because I, I want to talk about the mental side of everything too. But um, I think having a coach is sometimes like, and I don't mean to like downplay the you know the mental side of things, but it can almost be like having a therapist where you can vent, like in your instance, you can vent to Zach, right, and say, "Hey, yeah. man, you know, like shit just doesn't feel right. Like my log feels, and it's it's almost like a vent in, and it's like a like a positive vent, even when something is going wrong, you're able to use, utilize them as like a therapist almost, you know? Right. And, yeah. It's like, I, I, when I have to reinforce myself and encourage myself, I will then question that reinforcement. <laughs> but if Zach says, Hey man, you're good. It's going as planned. I'm like, cool. Got it. Yeah. I trust you. You know, I don't trust myself right? like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's and and another thing you said that I thought was really cool was like about like the arrogance to think you don't need a coach and how how that doesn't happen in like other major sports. And it's like you know, I think of like I've heard like the boxing analogy all the time with like Mike Tyson or like mm -hmm. Muhammad Ali. Like they were the best boxers on the planet at that time, and they have some guy who isn't even a boxer coaching them. You know, but he's exactly. a boxing coach. So I just thought that was like such a real, like, I thought that was a really good point that you made. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty rare in anything that you see, like mo most of my wrestling coaches that, that were like the ones that really stood out in my life were like guys that never did anything notable as athletes. And it's kind of like, how could you expect someone to be so genetically gifted that they're talented and, and the planning and the logistics area, as well as the performance area, you know what I mean? Yeah. Two completely different things. Yeah, no, that's hundred percent. You know, some people are just good at analyzing and, and communicating with people. You know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, you know, so, this may be a little bit off topic, but with, it kind of goes back to what you're talking about before with coaches, like kind of gatekeeping. I think one trend I've always noticed with good coaches in strength conditioning is that they're not afraid to put their information out there. You know, I think it's more of the one, like, I think a lot of the really good coaches will even tell you and correct me if I'm wrong, but they're not doing anything that's crazy groundbreaking, right? They've taken stuff they've learned from different methods, different programs, whatever, and they've tried it on themselves, tried it on other people, and they've kind of created their own system or methodology, like yeah. big strength coaches will will tell you like, hey man, this is what I'm kind of the the what I'm doing, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty simple sport, you know. There's not much, there's not much spice, I guess you can put on yeah. it and keep it correct. You know what I mean? Right. Keep yeah. Operating in the parameters of programming. Right, for sure. Like I asked Terry Rady once when I had him on here. I'm like, how do I like? How can I learn? 
like from you. And he gave me a couple books to read. He's like, these are the same books I re read and I applied them. Mm -hmm. So I bought those books and read them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, I think a lot of the coaching side is why some coaches are successful or are more like their communication and like being able to analyze stuff versus like, they're not doing anything. They didn't invent something crazy. Right. Well, exactly. But, but on the other side, I wanted to talk to you about your, like your, I guess, methodology with the, do I pronounce it VESP? Do I say VSP? VSP? I didn't know if I said yeah. you say VESP or if you say VSP, but it was something I was super interested in because I've seen you post about it before. And I've like, I've talked to Sean about it and I, mm -hmm. he's mentioned to me when we've eaten together and, and like, can you explain VSP versus RPE? Like in just in no. without going super, you don't have to go like super crazy, but can you explain VSP versus RPE? Yeah. So R RPE is like one single opinion or perception of, of an effort rating. And VSP is two, and that combines into an average reading, right? So you have the athlete um, giving a rating based on how it feels, and then you're combining that with how it looks in the video or how, how a coach is saying it looks. Um, because sometimes you can have something feel really good or feel really light, but then the coach sees that it moves slower than normal. And, and vice versa, right? You could have something feel really heavy, but the coach is like, no, that moved fast enough, you need to go up. So, um, yeah, ben, ben and I kind of came up with that because we were both training alone up until that point in our careers, and then we started training with each other, and we realized that we would get comfortable only going to a certain level when we needed to take an extra heavier attempt um, because... It's, it does get, you know, the weights get scary enough, the conditioning gets hard enough where uh, it, it becomes, unless you're a fucking psychopath, it becomes impossible to day after day tell yourself, this is the level you have to go to, right? So, yeah. so you need that second view to say, no, motherfucker, you got to go up again, or no, motherfucker, it's time to you back down. You need to dial it right? back. No, it... it I'm I'm really happy how you explain that. And, and for people that don't know, RPE is rate of perceived exertion, right? And, yeah. and so that that's what we're comparing VSP to. And I think it's I think it's like spot on with the system you guys utilize because one trend I'm seeing in powerlifting, strongman, and a lot of these strength sports is specifically powerlifting, is people say it's like a, a six with a misgroove, right? But like it's you misgrooved it for a reason, whatever reason it is, right? Does that make does that make sense? Yeah, I, you, you can't have, and, and that that goes along with VSP is that part of that forces technique and control. It's it's not just about how it felt or looked; it's about how was it executed, right? Right. It's velocity V V is velocity, E is execution, and that equals strength potential or sports potential. So it's VSP. Yeah. Right. So the execution is a very big part of it. If you misgrooved, well, I'm sorry, it was either too heavy and it wasn't really a six, or you need to get your head out of your ass and you misgrooved because you're fucking around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. It's 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 that's a, um, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's such a it's such a cool way to imp, like implement. I think as a coach, I think it's so smart what you and Ben did, and uh, I. 
I think people have such a hard time being honest with themselves where it's like, whether it is, I think lifters, you probably see it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I see some lifters that cannot be honest with themselves either way, whether it's, it's too heavy or it's too light. Like they're too afraid. And I think, um, I think having a coach and I think having your guys system in place over RP, uh, like accounts for those issues, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's what it was designed for. Yeah, Just yeah. To be honest, because we don't, we're we're big on not being being comfy. That that's not where growth happens. And like I said earlier, you're even if you're a big badass, you're going to eventually start to if you're if it's on your own and you're making your own decisions and your own calls day after day, it's going to get more and more comfortable more and more easy to make right. the decisions of just a little bit less you know what i mean yeah a bit less effort i'm really happy you said that because that's like i think that summarizes like the whole point of like the topic we we're just talking about i guess that, that started this whole thing is coaches having coaches and the importance of it it kind of came full circle where it's like you get to that comfort level where you're yeah. i i think psychologically like 90% of people are going to only program what they want to do or what they think versus what they actually need. Does that, right. you know what I mean? So I'm really happy you said it that way. Cause that kind of summarized it, you know, like that comfort yeah. and yeah. you don't get better being comfortable in any sport, but specifically strength sports where it's like the stress on your body is where like the growth happens, right? You have to have some, exactly. you have to have some level of stress for growth, whether it's strength, uh, um, like muscle gain, anything like that. So yeah, that's, exactly. that was a perfect way to summarize what you said. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, it, as a coach, I guess, who were, who were some of the coaches that you've learned from and like taken stuff from like some, some top level people we may not know. Um, well, um, I've taken, I, I try to take something from every coach that I interact with, just, just at least one little thing. Um, sure. I would say the most influential coaches in my life were like my high school wrestling coach, my college wrestling coach, uh, a couple wrestling coaches I worked with um, in like, you know, international competing and uh, just different, different teams I've been on and stuff. Uh, uh, in lifting, um, the only two coaches I've ever had is uh, Kyle Young uh, from Kabuki, mm -hmm. and he's been extremely influential. We still talk even three or four years later, um, but he was uh, kind of one of the first guys to push me off the ledge and um, tell me to start going for it and believing in myself when I started working with Ben. And... Um, and then Zach is the, the second coach that I've ever had. Yeah. Um, I, in training. He's already been such a good, we've been such a good team so far. Yeah. So yeah, he's, he's great. I, I love, uh, I love you saying take something from everyone. Cause I'm such a firm believer in that where like, even just like going to a strongman competition as a volunteer mm -hmm. or sponsoring or, or being a judge, whatever. I feel like I've learned something as an athlete at every competition I've been at. And I feel like every coach I talk to on the pod, or if I meet him at the Arnold or something like 
just having a small conversation, I think you can learn something, you know. Yeah. I think that's even, even the way they rub off on you and the way they carry themselves at a meet or the way you see them talk to one of their athletes, just like the littlest of things that you can get. You know, right. always trying to refine your coaching game. Yeah, I'm I'm like such a big believer in like always being a student of the game, no matter what mm -hmm. level you reach. And I think that's like a, a really great commonality between like like great coaches and great athletes. Like they've all, they're always a student of the game. Right. And looking mm -hmm. for that little edge to get better, better, whether it's their business and coaching yeah. or their actual athleticism. Right. Yeah. And we said that earlier, we were talking about like the, the coaches, the, the way the avenues at which the coach can like give to and improve. They need to have that competitive and urgency, just like the, athletes out there trying to get the win right they're, right they're going fucking hard you're pushing your brain very hard um and it, it shouldn't be like this stress-free living yeah right. you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah i and I, we got to talk about it because you mentioned wrestling and i wasn't mm -hmm. aware of your wrestling background but it sounds like you have a pretty intensive one so i get did you start wrestling in high school younger than that when did you start wrestling Probably like third or fourth grade, I was got into pretty young, and yeah, uh, I I caught the bug for lifting like my sophomore year in college, and it wasn't I was enjoying lifting so much, and I was hating wrestling so much that I it was a pretty easy switch for me. Yeah, I just I wrestled for a couple years, and I wish I would have wrestled lot like earlier in my life, like versus like like late in high school, and uh, I I think it's like I just think it's the best sport like coming up as a kid and I, yeah, I, I, I agree it's it just teaches you some lesson about like being able to get your ass kicked i think and it's and it you're the only accountable person because i think in america specifically we like team sports are so so much bigger than wrestling and other individual mm -hmm. sports a lot of kids don't have that accountability and you see it later on in life and i think yeah i just think there's something to be said about wrestling, like a lot of the people you meet that are wrestled are just tougher. They're just mentally tougher and physically tougher. I don't know. I mean, I remember some of our practices were super crazy, but I don't know what it is. I don't know if you can speak on it all, but I just, yeah. I think um, actually Terry Rady was someone that I had this conversation with because I was really frustrated uh, with um uh, some of my higher level athletes who were not wrestlers, but they were like football players or so, some team sport that was still very fucking tough and respectable. You know what I mean? And yeah. They made it to a really high level. So I'm like, like frustrated. Was like, what? like, why the fuck can't you show up on time? Why the fuck can't you like get it? You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah, yeah. Trying to figure out like you've made it to a very high level. What? What's the what's the deal? This stuff seems very obvious to me, and I was because Terry's been really um, influential, specifically in the in the strongman portion of my coaching. Um, he's just been all around good friend, but he was telling me like, "Yeah, man, you know, in wrestling, you face adverse adversity. Like you're out there alone, basically completely naked, your fucking tiny dick hanging out in front of your whole high school and your town and everything, and." Um, you're getting pissed on in practice day after day and like everything about it is like forces you to ask the hard questions and like ask why why do I suck so bad? How can I get better? Right. You know? Um 
you get your fucking ass beat for showing up five minutes late, whereas opposed to, you know, at basketball, whatever, you know, not saying these other sports aren't tough, but, you know, if, if one person shows up late, then the whole team suffers and that sucks and teaches you lessons in its own way, but you also might kind of miss the, uh, the ability to really look inward and be like, yeah, why, why do I fucking suck? <laughs> yeah. You know? I just, I remember some of those wrestling. I was actually talking. I coached some wrestlers at our gym still in strength conditioning. And I was talking to one of the dads our day. And I'm like, I feel like some of those practices we had back in the day would just, they're so illegal now, like getting whipped I with a whistle. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, I can. Yeah. But it something to be, I remember playing rugby in college and getting, I didn't wrestle in college or anything like that. And I remember getting so like, so just angry because I could work as hard as I wanted in the gym at practice or whatever, but then some kid was just slap dicking around and I'm only one out of 15 guys on the field. And I'm like, I, I think that's why I look back to wrestling and have such like an admiration for it. You know? Yeah. I just, yeah, I just you, there's no room for that. Yeah. Right. Get away with that. Just get your dick kicked in. I mean, there's not, you know, yeah. it's just, that's yeah. kind of, I, I my, my eyes just lit up when you when you said that because you're a really great strongman athlete yourself. So it's like I always I always just like to dig in a little bit when people were wrestlers just to see what their thoughts are on it, you know, and how it helped them as an athlete. And that's actually why I picked Zach because my coach ultimately is because he was a wrestler as well. So if you want another one to talk to, he's a good one. He's yeah, that, I would I would love to have him on. I I, I would like to talk to him as well. Um. Let's talk real quick about like the mental approach to, you know, going a prep into a competition because I think it's something people just really get psyched out and get in their head and do things they know may not make sense intellectually, but for whatever reason, get psyched out or get overstimulated or understimulated and they get puckered, whatever. Like, can you kind of talk about? how you help your athletes approach for a competition, you know, mentally, not just physically. Yeah. So I, um, I kind of like to break it down in, in tiers of competitiveness. And like, I like to use the JV and the varsity analogy a lot in the world. Like, uh, so I, I split, I split competitions up into five, five or six different categories. So you have like scrimmages, you have, you know, preseason games, you have conference games, you have postseason games, and then you have like title games. And each of those, you know, in any other sport are treated with a different level of mental and physical preparation intensity, you know, and it, and it scales up yeah. the higher Wait, so, up you go. Yeah. So, so when you're saying not to, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I hope I didn't throw your thought off, but when you're saying like scrimmage, JV, like those different tiers. Are you are you talking about that in the context of like the prep or the contest you're prep preparing for? Both. Okay. So okay. I'm saying like my you know 19 to 25 year old strongman kids who were like, I'm fucking making it to the WSM, I'm in this for life. And because because a lot so back in that uh what you're talking about, about getting rattled and and questioning yourself in prep, whether it's like you, you miss a number and you, you retake it and you retake it or you're 
you know, you start taking more supplements because you're worried about that you're not recovering enough. Or, well, that, that's what you're talking about, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Of like going off plan, everything out of, out of urgency, right? So, yeah, right. Yes. In any category, like, oh, I'm going to start overeating every day because, like, I, like, I need to get bigger. I need to get bigger right now. Like, any sort of like above consistency, like, panic type decision that you're making, um, it's, it's, it's lack of maturity, and I don't say that in a bad way. I, I mean that like pretty much every level until the very, very top level, you're going to lack some sort of something, right? And and that's what makes the best guys the best is that they have the least of those problems. So, um, you know, there's still things that I, I deal with that like I might kind of fall into that category, but not nearly to the extent to the or, or to the frequency that I was when I was really, really young. So um yeah, basically what I'm trying to the message I'm trying to say is like, hey, like you guys haven't earned the right to get this upset. Like you you're not competing at a level that's that important to get that upset. Yeah. Like, and then by the time they get there, they're not upset about it because they're very mature and seasoned athletes, right? So um I, I just try to implement like different mental structures around what is the purpose of this competition? Are, are you winning money? Are you winning a big title? Is it very important to you? Why are we doing this? Because strength, you know, powerlifting, CrossFit, bodybuilding, all, all of them, you know, we're, we're trying to see a product 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Right. They're very accumulative sports where we're going to reap the benefits way later. So, we're going to use our competitions as practice to develop these mental skills, right? Um, we're not going to use these competitions as things to say it's do or die. It's all or nothing. This is the last contest I'm ever going to have. I'm going to put it all out there. But yes, we're going to put it all out there, but you know, we're going to keep the next contest in mind and the next contest in mind. And you know, we're, we're not, we're, we're always going to keep one more level in the tank that you can access one, one more gear that you can shift to so that when it's really important, you can, you can turn it all the way up. Yeah. Do people do, do kids that are younger, do they ever take that the wrong way? Like when you talk to them like that, like, because I just think about it and I try to be, I'm a pretty blunt person when I speak to people about strength sports and I'm, I've always like, the quote I've always used is a marathon, not a sprint, you know, and it, it's yeah. just a simple old quote, but it, it it's just not a, it's not a sport. If you are into instant gratification, you know, it's the guy that's right. squatting heavy for 10 years and doesn't miss training days. That's going to be the strongest guy in the weight room. Most of the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, you mentioned about the kids that are 19 to 25. They're like, I want to go to WSM and it's, I, I wish you were, I wish you were lying about that, but the amount of kids that I've met that have said that, and it's like, it's so preposterous to think about where mm -hmm. someone's 20 years old and they aren't the most genetically gifted and they're just starting and they, they have the nerve to say that I try to be nice, but, but real with them where it's like, well, let's start here. And if you do become the world's youngest man in 20 years, that's awesome. But you know, yeah. Yeah. So, so my thing on that, this, this is actually cool that you brought that up because I think, first of all, I resonate with those kids a lot because that used to be me. So sure, sure. I, I really like take to those kids and 
find an easy time communicating with them because I just think, okay, you just be what you needed mm-hmm. 10 years ago, right? Sure. So uh, those are actually kind of my bread and butter type of guys to work with. And I think, I forgot to phrase this. Um, so I think in order to become that world's strongest man level athlete, Right, we just talked about there, there's so many things that you need to learn and develop both mentally and physically to get to that point, right? So, so you've got this huge timeline and all, all these skills that, that need to be developed and come together into this final product to see that. Well, the beginning stages of all of that are still very important lessons, both physically and mentally for, for kids to have. It's just like the wrestling background, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't like, yes, it, it might be a little preposterous, but I also try to put that completely out of my mind because I'm like, this kid could completely prove me wrong. Like all, all it takes is him sticking with it and listening. Yeah. And, and, it, and it can happen. You know what right. I mean? Strength is like that where you can, you can get past some of the genetic stuff. And so I just mm-hmm. like the, the process begins the same for everyone, whether they're a dipshit and they're going to fall off in two years or whether they're going to actually fucking follow through mm-hmm. the first five years, 10 years even, are should be very, very similar because you don't want, you know, strong men should also be something that's like, yeah, I did it for two years and I got a lot out of it and it taught me toughness and it taught me how to be comfortable out there competing and now I can do other things in life that I was scared of. Like, it sure. should serve that purpose too. Oh, so, you know, I that, that's what I'm trying to get at is like, Okay, well, if they fall off and they don't ever make it, we try to still give them the same good shit out of it. Yeah. Right. So, so when did you get involved in Strongman? Because I know you've been in it. Fifteen. Yeah. Okay. Two thousand fifteen. You got into Strongman, and and what's for newer people listening? I guess what are like one or two key takeaways from when you. You know, you're looking back at Taylor in 2015, 2016, your first one or two years in it. What's some advice that people that are in there, their first couple years that, that could take away from you, you know, speaking to yourself back then? I would say, number one, just relax and enjoy the ride. Don't mm-hmm. try to force anything or rush anything. And two, kind of on that note, um, getting getting big and strong are the easiest portions of this equation. So worry about the techniques and the learning and the programming stuff and, and really being a student of the sport because you, you get to an age when you, when, when all this stuff becomes learned and you, you get, you know, in your late twenties and early thirties and all this stuff comes together, putting on the size and the, the raw strength and power to put it all together is mm-hmm. very easy to do in my opinion. Yeah. So worry about all the other shit first. That's that's really good advice. What's like what's like one big mistake you see all the time? Like with new not even just with like not with your athletes specifically, but like just scrolling Instagram, seeing people at yeah. competitions, whatever. Like what's something that you're just always like puzzled by? When when someone has to like justify to themselves that they're actually this strong, right? So they're like, 
if you miss a number that last week you just you just hit this number, but then the following week you miss this number, you don't need to question yourself. You just need to like eat and recover. Like pay attention to maybe well, maybe I don't hit that hit that heavy that frequently every week. Maybe it's an every other week thing. You don't yeah. say, Oh no, am I am I not really this strong? I need to fucking show myself that I can still hit four plates. That's what I mean by chill out and enjoy the ride is that strength goes like this. So just the strongest men in the world are the re- part of the reason that they are that strong is because they are very okay with saying, eh, it's not there today. It'll be there when I need it. Yeah. So. that That's awesome advice. I think that's great because so many people look at training as like perfectly linear, right? Yeah. Where it's yeah. just that, and it's just being in it, you realize it is just so far from it. And it's those little five pound PRs after two years that you, you know, that you work for, for once you get to a certain level, it's two, three, four years to hit a five pound PR on a deadlift, right? right. Or an overhead right. press. And it's like, that makes you appreciate it so much more. Um, yeah, so exactly. That's, that's such a, that, that's such a good point. What are, so since 2015, not in coaching, just in the sport of strongman, what are some trends that you have seen come and go that you've been a fan of or maybe happening now that you or, you, or have happened in the past that you don't like? I know that's a kind of a tough question on the spot, but you know, just being in it that long and around it, like something you, you've, you've seen a lot of the amateur level, like growth of strongman. So, well, one, uh, I'll say two things that I don't like, not to be negative, but just when it comes to noticing trends, you don't really notice the positive ones. Sure. So, uh, the, um, well, I can't say that. I think the sport is growing. Like, I, I, so the, the negative one that I really don't like is that there, it seems that there are a lot of people that are bitching and moaning about, um, how much this, like, we need to do this with the sport. We need to do this with the sport. It needs to grow this much. We, we should be getting this much money, this and that. And it's like, man, when was the sport officially invented? Like 1977? Right. Yeah. So it's like like the newest fucking sport on the planet, basically. Yep. So like, with where we're, chill out and enjoy the ride. You know, the, the same principles that work fundamentally and your training are going to work in, in bigger areas of the sport and in life. So I think rather than bitch, just find a way to do your part and go to sport. Yeah. It's right. Fun. It's going. So yeah. Leave it. Happen. Yeah. Le- I think if everyone approached strongman with like the, the, me- the view of let me leave it better than I found it. Right. Like, like, let me go to this local show in Western Pennsylvania and just like, cause I'm, I'm bitching on Instagram, right. That the sports not growing. I'm going to go give up a Saturday and volunteer and just doing that. Like I, I earned that iron credit. I reset the power stairs for two hours, even though it sucked, but I genuinely made it better. I think that's like, I, you don't need to like start a federation or do something like that. I think it's like smaller things, right. That you can do exactly. to just be better and, but still Dude, have such a positive impact. If, if we got like, imagine if we got every, every, every low level 
entry novice level competition, right? If, if, if every year we got like three to five more competitors and every competitor from the previous year got five to 10% stronger and more competitive with each other. Right. Right. And, and growing up from that level. And then, and then we start having the coaches come together and implementing different ways to exchange information in the off seasons and, and help, uh, maybe coaches and athletes get together with promoters and figure out how to structure, um, better in season off seasons throughout the show so that like you're getting more af- more of the good athletes showing up at the show so it's not hit and miss and you're you're like seeing these athletes at B shows and these athletes at B shows are you know kind of using all federations instead of maybe favoring one federation and yeah for sure anyway I think, I think- we can make it more competitive. I I think I think when people have like such an extreme bias where they're like I won't do strongman corp or I won't do USS like I'm I'm You're a strong I'm a yeah for sure I'm a strongman corporation state chair and I will right. never not do a show because it's USS or it's unsanctioned or whatever like dude if I see like some of the best shows I've ever done have been USS shows some of the best, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, I will yeah. never see a show I want to do. And like, I like the promoter or I think the promoter's going to do a well, good job. I'm not going to, and I want to compete. I'm not going to not compete. Right. Cause I do this cause I, exactly. I have fun, you know, and you know, I, I want to make a point. I want to see your thoughts on it. Cause people are going to listen. We're going to have new viewers. Cause you're on this episode. And it's one thing I think a lot of people can do having an impact is after a competition, be honest don't be a dick, right? I, I think there's a fine line between like being an asshole and being honest. Is be honest with what a show can do to improve. Like obviously highlight their good stuff. And promoters can all learn the great stuff from each other. But also, I the reason I bring it up, I see such a big trend in strongman with people behind the scenes in DMs, right? Saying, Oh, this show was horrible. It took 14 hours. It you know, we didn't get to warm up, but then what, what happens in the recap on their little Instagram post after the show? Oh, great show. Thank you so much for having us out. This was amazing. I'll be back next year. I just think the way that uh strongman is, is tiered in the United States is it's an amateur amateurs fun strongman. Mm-hmm. And I think people are afraid to have their voice be heard. And I, I think being honest like I said, you don't need to be rude, but like, hey, if I'm going to do the show next year, can we maybe warm up on the yoke? Can we maybe logistically think this out so we're not going to get hurt or we're not here for 14 hours? You know what I mean? I just. Yeah, I, yeah, I think like if, you, if you've got that much of a problem, then fucking grow up and say something articulate right. professionally. Right. So right. Just, just like with anything else, like if, if you're saying some shit that I don't like, I'm going to do it. Hey, man. I don't like you saying that shit about me. <laughs> right. Give you a chance to explain or give you a chance to change, you know? Yeah. I but, just, uh, I, I think promoters sometimes don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say this, but like, don't know that their show kind of stinks sometimes because so many people keep coming back and keep complimenting them, I guess. I don't know. I just, yeah, I or, think, or, I, or settling, or settling for those standards, or 
right. whatever. And she, she kind of like, hey, man, this is unacceptable. We're not coming back next year. This is how it's going to keep happening. Right. And it's, I, if it's not making a problem, you know? Yeah, right. And I, and don't get me wrong. Like, I think there's a place for every type of competition in Strongman. Like, I think the coolest shows that I've ever been to have been like those super grassroots, like parking lot shows. Like, I, like, I think a lot of people that have been here for a while can relate to that, right? Like the show you weren't expecting to be awesome. That's like yeah. in a in an alley and it's like we're we're throwing a rock or whatever. Like I, I think sometimes that's the best show. So I'm not saying like every show has to be like the world championship. I'm just right. saying if you if you notice something at a competition, like speak up in a super respectful way, and that promoter might like the light bulb might go off and be like, oh, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with just speaking up. And if if you do it professionally, you're going to get one or two reactions. He's going to tell you to fuck off or he's going to be accepting of it. Right. Or, well, or three reactions. He's going to be like, okay, cool. So Great Lakes Strongest Man, I was, I actually had a couple of notes when the event weights came out. I was like, hey, man, here's just here's my two cents. I think you should make these changes. It's just my opinion. Uh, I don't think it's wrong for you to make these decisions the way you have them. Just my opinion. Do mm-hmm. whatever you want. Tell me the fuck up if you want. Yeah. And he's like, cool, man. Well, you know, just to let you know, uh, I'm going to like, prof- like professionally not take your advice, but I want to tell you my reasons behind each of the decisions I've made. And then once you told me, I'm like, yeah, those are really good decisions. I think you made better calls than I did initially. So right. cool. We're good. Right. No, yeah, that's, that's how it Right. No, a hundred percent. I actually think about a personal experience. I just had, like I did a a show in Kentucky and Mm. the power stairs were so light, like the point to the point, like, like the weights listed, right. were so light where the point, like to the point where you could literally probably skip a step, like you could like throw them. And then I got mad because 10 days out, they changed the weights and made them heavier, but I could have done what you did. And reached out to the promoter and been like, hey, man, not trying to be a dick. These are super light in training. Um, you know, do you uh, so it, that kind of was just a little bit of self-reflection, like what you said with like reaching out. Right. So like if something yeah. seems wrong while you're an athlete, like maybe it is wrong and like just reach out, you know, and you can be a positive impact in in, in that way as well. So, yeah, yeah no, that's yeah. that's super cool, man. Um is there anything else? Uh, anything, well, how was Great Lake Strongest Man? So, so you competed. I was at the first ever Great Lake Strongest Man. Um, yeah, it was awesome. Um, I told I told uh, George I'm gonna come back next year. Josh wants to do it next year. I I, I mean I've I've done several pro show pro am shows now, and there's I mean that was my favorite one. Like, yeah, there's there, there's nothing that was indistinguishable between Strongman Corp and USS, it was heavy. They paid. The guys were tough. It was really right. tough. It's it's super cool that like that show has become like such a big deal. And it's just like up in Traverse City, Michigan. Like that's a great area, but like not mm-hmm. the most accessible area in the world, right? Right. And like right. yeah, I think it speaks I think it speaks super highly, like that they were they're able He's to get so many Right. I, like I said, I was at the very first ever Great Lakes Strongest Man when it was in like a CrossFit gym. And it's like, yeah. cool. I, I would like to go back just to see like, 
it's on like a like a minor league baseball stadium now and it's like set up mm-hmm. awesome and ADL's there and they have a pro show. It's it's crazy to see like the yeah. growth of it, right? So mm-hmm. I I definitely got to go back. Have you I know, I know talking to Sean, you've tried because you're a super heavyweight, open super heavyweight, and you've tried to make the cut to middleweight before, right? Like you've cut yeah, to middleweight. Yeah. I've tried, yeah. Yeah. So, so what's, what's that? What was that like? I guess, like, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty drastic change. What, what yeah. made, at the time, what made you want to do that? I guess. And like, what was the experience like trying to do that? You want to know what initially, Got the spark going. What's that? I uh, I got done with a uh, it was a heavyweight show. I think it was it was Rainier last year, and uh, I got done. And Rainy looks at me and he's like, "Man, you'd be a real big two thirty one." And I was like, "Man, I'm three hundred pounds." And he's like, "Well, Clayton can make it. He can make it." Yeah, you, you'd be a good two thirty one. You should try it. And I was like, fuck, I gotta try it now. <laughs> so I tried it, didn't, didn't have it in me. So, yeah. Just lost it, lost way too much strength. It wasn't willing to take the drugs to keep the strength. Yeah. Um, when I started going to that much of a deficit, so it's not, not worth it for me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy because I think, like, not, I think a lot of like novices or newer people like see the weight cuts. And they think it's just like automatic, like, oh, I'll just cut 40 pounds and I'll, I'll log, <laughs> pre- I'm going to log press the same thing. I press it, you know, at 300 in my own gym and I'm going to do it yeah. 231 in a show. You know what I mean? So, no, I just, I like to touch on that. I, I think like one of the biggest things I see is a promoter mistakes. We were talking about earlier, you know, some of the biggest mistakes you see is, and I think one of mine is the crazy weight cut shit you see, like the the mistakes that people make and the stuff what people oh, are willing. It's not to- awful. And some of the fucking coaches that are willing to offer coaching for weight cuts and nutrition. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not at the point where I'm going to call any names yet. No, it's no. It's fucking awful. It's like you guys have no clue what you're doing. Well, you're just prescribing some tone and drink more water and. I can't even. Yeah, no, I was super. Yeah, I was super lucky to learn like what I learned about water cuts initially from Rebecca Lorch. Um, And she was she was so great. And so, you know, the one thing it, it, it ties in with what you were just saying. But the thing I loved the most about her approach was she would not allow you to go over a certain threshold of your body of your body percentage. And I thought that was so like kind of admirable and respectable for, for a coach because a lot of people can just, Hey, I'll take your money, whatever. But I think to do it, like to care about the client and the person's paying you, I thought that was like such a cool thing that she did. Right. So I was, uh, she was helping me a little bit out with that. And I was like, cause it, we, we knew right from the start, it was going to be a fucking hard one. It was yeah. going to be close. Yeah. So like the whole time she was like, you know, you're like one or two percent over what I'm well allowed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. But no, that's that's really cool. I, I, I don't have anything else for you. I thought that was. I thought we touched on some. 
I thought we taught them some awesome stuff. I hope people are able to take from it. Um, I hope okay. to have you on again in the future, man. That's if, like I said, on this episode, if you guys go in the description, if you're watching on YouTube, you know, we'll have um, right under your video, we have your name, how to get a hold of you. How do people get a hold of you for coaching? Uh, through Instagram. Yeah, just oh, DM. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. so your Instagram name's up on the screen right now if you're watching on YouTube, and we'll have it if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, how to, how to uh, follow you on Instagram and everything like that. So make sure you're getting a hold of Taylor because uh, I think. You know, he's one of the top coaches in Strongman and just overall just talking to you real quick. So I appreciate it so Thank much, you, man. man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, man. Anytime. Let me know if you ever want to get my time. Of course. Thanks. The fire.